Thank you for taking some time out of your evening to tune into this podcast of Chronicles of Josephus. We are now on our part four of this series, and I get to be your host. I'm Michael Miano, and I'm bringing us through the writing by Josephus called The Life of Flavius Josephus. And we are now in part four, and we're at chapter 31. And in chapter 31, verse 49, which is the first verse to begin this chapter, we read this. But there were still some that irritated the multitude against me, and said that those great men that belonged to the king ought not to be suffered to live, if they would not change their religion to the religion of those whom to whom they fled for safety. They spoke reproachfully of them also, and said that they were wizards, and such as called in the Romans upon and, and such as called in the Romans upon them. So the multitude was also deluded by such plausible pretenses, as were agreeable by their own inclinations and were prevailed on by them. So what Josephus is explaining to us here is that this constant deceit, this constant betrayal, this constant battle, if you will, that is happening there in the North. Um, and he, in our last part, we talked a bit about his comment that they should not put, you know, they should not restrain those Romans that had fled to them for protection, that they should not force them to be circumcised, to come over to the Judaic understanding, the Judaic covenant, the Judaic religion. And here we're seeing that now what they're doing is they're beginning to spread rumors. There's nothing new about the rumor mill. Um, you know, here we find that these uh, first century uh, zealots, etc., are going to begin to spread rumors about these Romans that they're witches. And, you know, Josephus makes a great point. He says that if the Romans were wizards and they were, had this magic power by these demonic gods, they would not have built such serious and such large military forces because they would have relied upon God. Rather, we know that they relied upon their own might and force, and that's why they built such militaries. And what we continue to read as we look through the details of 31 through pretty much 37, is a lot of revolt in various regions there of the north. What's interesting is in chapter 38, we find our mention of the Pharisees. Many people fail to understand the different sects that had begun there um, prior to the first century, um, during that 400 year of silence that happens between the last prophet Malachi in the Old Testament, and uh, which was about, you know, as they came out of bondage, in Egypt, probably around 400 BC, um, we see a time of silence leading up to the first century. And during that time of silence, we know that there was the Maccabean revolt. The books of Maccabees usually detail those details. And we also find that there were these different factions that developed how God would ultimately come to fulfill the hope of Israel. And we know that the Pharisees is one of those factions. We're going to get, we're going to read something about them here in a moment. The Sadducees were another faction. The Essenes were another faction. The Zealots are another faction. And then, of course, the Christians would have been seen in that first century period as another faction of the Jews that posited the fulfillment in a different fashion. We would understand Jesus Christ being the fulfillment of the promises. So let's learn what they had said about the Pharisees. Here in chapter 38, verse 191, we read about Simon, Simon of the Pharisees. And we read this. <clears throat> this Simon was of the city of Jerusalem and of a very noble family, of the sect of the Pharisees, which are supposed to excel others in the accurate knowledge of the laws in their country. 
So Simon here, uh, Josephus is going to go to him and try to reason with him in regards to these details. And we see that he's a part of this Pharisees. They were those that Jesus had said that you lay burdens upon men, but you do nothing to pick them up. Because again, they were the masters at the law. They had been well versed in the different commandments of men that had uh, continued into their day. Jesus in chapter in Mark, I believe it's Mark chapter 10 or 11, he says that the Jews had, the Pharisees primarily had invalidated the word of God by their commandments, by their own laws. And they had made the word of God of none effect. They had dulled the senses of themselves and their hearers. Jesus goes on to say that they had made men twice as much the sons of hell as they are. So the Pharisees being one faction, the Sadducees being those that did not believe there would be a resurrection of the dead. They did not believe there would be a restoration that the prophet Hosea spoke about there in Hosea chapter 13. They believed the only way that their nation would see restoration to the former glory that they had during the days of David would be through working with the Roman, you know, working with politics, working in their best interest. And then you had the Zealots, which obviously believed in fighting, the Essenes, which believed in retreating, and then the Christians who believed in, dare I say, immersing themselves in Christ as the fulfillment of the restoration of Israel, as the resurrection of the dead. So that's what we see these different factions happen. You know, something that's interesting is Josephus seems to perceive his uh, brethren as unappreciating, appreciating him. You know, he's going about this effort as he's trying to make his case in these writings that he's going about seeking peace. He's going about trying to compel his brethren that they do not want the Romans to come in upon them, that it would lead to their destruction. And he's feeling very unappreciated and betrayed by many of his countrymen. In chapters 44 through 45, we read uh, a rather interesting detail that I wanted to kind of just read through and share with you. About this time, it was that Jonathan and his fellow legates came. They were sent, as we have already said, by Simon and Ananias, the high priest. And Jonathan contrived how he might catch me by treachery, for he durst know how may not make any attempt upon me openly. So he wrote to me the following epistle. Jonathan and those who are with him and are sent by... The people of Jerusalem to Josephus send greeting. We are sent by the principal men of Jerusalem who have heard that John of Giscala, remember we had mentioned him, I believe it was in part one or part two, uh, one of the zealot leaders there in the north, had laid many snares for Josephus to rebuke him and to exhort him to be subject to thee. We are also desirous to consult with thee about our common concerns and what is fit to be done. We therefore desire you to come to us quickly. And will bring and to bring only a few men with you, for this village will not contain a great number of soldiers. Thus it was that they wrote, as expecting one of these two things, either that I should come without armed men, or that they should have me wholly in their power, or if I came with a great number, they should just judge me as a public enemy. Now it was a horseman who brought the letter, a man at other times bold, and one that had served in the army under the king. It was the second hour of the night that he came when I was feasting with my friends and the principal of the Galileans. This man, upon my servants telling me that a certain horseman of the Jewish nation was come, was called in at my command. But he did not so much as salute me at all, but held out a letter and said, This, is, this letter is sent to thee by those who are come from Jerusalem. Do thou write an answer to it quickly, for I am obliged to return to them very soon. Now my guests could not but wonder at the boldness of this soldier. But I desired for him to sit down and sup with us. But when he had refused to do so, I held the letter in my hand, and as I had received it, and 
fell a-talking with my guests about other matters. But a few hours afterwards, I got up, and when I had dismissed the rest to go to their beds, I bid only four of my intimate friends to stay, and so ordered my servant to set out some wine. I also opened the letter so that nobody could perceive it, and understanding thereby presently the purport of the writing, I sealed it again, and appeared as if I had read it already, but only held it in my hands. I ordered twenty drachma should be given to the soldier for the charges of his journey, and when he took the money, I said to him, and I thanked him, and said that he thanked me for it, I perceived that he loved money, and that he was caught. Now catch Josephus's wisdom here. I perceived that he loved money and that he was to be caught chiefly by that means. And I said to him, If you will but drink with us, you shall have a drachme, which is money here, for every glass you drink. So he embraced this proposal and drank a great deal of wine in order to get the money and was so drunk that at last he could not keep the secrets he was entrusted with but discovered them without my putting questions to him, that a treacherous design was contrived against me and that I was doomed to die by those who had sent him. When I heard this, I wrote back this answer. Josephus to Jonathan and those that are with him, send greetings. Upon information that you are come in health into Galilee, I rejoice, and this especially because I can now resign the care of public affairs here into your hands and return into my native country, which is what I have desired to do a great while, and I confess I ought not only to come to you as far as Zaloth, but further, and this with your commands, but I desire you to excuse me because I cannot do it now, since I watch the motions of Placidus, who has a mind to go into Galilee, and this I do here at Carabol. Do you, therefore, on receipt of this epistle, come to me, I fare you well. When I had written this and given the letter to be carried by the soldier, I sent along with him thirty of the Galileans of the best characters, and gave them instruction to salute those ambassadors. But to say nothing else to them, I also gave them orders as many as those armed men whom I esteemed most faithful to me to go along with the others, every one with him whom he was to guard, lest some conversation might pass between those whom I had sent and those who were with Jonathan. So those men went to Jonathan, but when Jonathan and his partners had failed in this first attempt, they sent me another letter. The contents were as follows. Jonathan and those who were with him to Josephus. Send greeting. We, are, we require you to come to us at the village of Gabaroth on the third day without any armed men, that we may hear what you have laid charge of John of Giscala. When they had written this letter, they saluted the Galileans whom I sent and came to Jaffa, which was the largest village of Galilee, and encompassed with very strong walls, and had a great number of inhabitants in it. There the multitude of men with their wives and children met them and exclaimed loudly against them and desired them to be gone and not to envy the advantage of an excellent commander. With these clamors, Jonathan and his partners were greatly provoked. Although they durst not show their anger openly, so they made them to no answer, but went to the villages, but still the same clamor met them from all the other people. Nobody should persuade them to have any other commander besides Josephus, the people said. So Jonathan and his partners went away from them without success and came to Sephorus, the greatest city of all Galilee. Now the men of that city who inclined the who inclined to the Romans in their sentiments, met them indeed, but neither praised nor reproached me. And when they were gone down from Sephorus to Asakis, the people of that place made a clamor against them, as those of Jaffa had done, whereupon they were able to contain themselves no longer, but ordered the armed men that were with them to beat those who made that clamor with their clubs. And when they had came to Gabara, 
John met with them 3,000 armed men. But, as I understood by their letter they had resolved to fight against me, I arose from Kabola with my 3,000 armed men against also, but left in my camp one of the fastest friends and came to Japata as desirous to be near them, the distance being no more than 40 furloughs. When I had wrote to them, if you are very desirous that I should come to you, you know that there are 240 cities and villages in Galilee. I will come to any of them which you please, excepting Gabara and Giscala, the one which is John's native city and the other in confederacy and friendship with him. So you see, Josephus is using wisdom here. Obviously, one of the things that we can mark out from chapters 44 through 45 was the love of money and drunkardness lead to, lead to folly. We don't need to go too far into the book of Proverbs to see such wisdom. Um, we see this man, this messenger, um, obviously falls to the love of money and drunkenness. What we've covered on today's Chronicles of Josephus is chapters 31 through 45 of the life of Flavius Josephus. And what you see here is Josephus continuing to explain his journeys throughout the north, the betrayal, the unappreciation, as he would have it expressed, of his people against him. And he's showing that he will not go to these other cities. He will not fall by way to this deceit from Jerusalem of these men who obviously are set up against him. And he will not go into the cities of Giscala nor the city of Gabara, which both relate to John of Giscala, this zealot that we had previously talked about. So that's kind of where we're at. We're going to pick up in our next podcast at chapter 46 of the life of Flavius Josephus. And I'm anticipating a soon end to this writing so that we can move right along into the antiquities of the Jews. So I look forward to blessing you with more podcasts on Wednesday evenings here on Power Preterism Radio. I do trust that tonight's show was a little bit more advancing of your understanding of the first century of the Roman Jewish War, of the details there of Josephus's life. And I do obviously urge you to continue your, continue your study in gaining an understanding of Josephus and all things first century. Thank you for taking time out of your evening. Go in peace.